0: values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. More conversations about a possibility of a recession. They say it's happening this year. This is now the Fed that is saying it. I want to go to the president. I'm going to go to our current president, then I'm going to go back and quote a a president um, that we all know in just a moment. But this is the president talking about tax rates for billionaires. No billionaire should be paying less of a tax rate than a school teacher or firefighter. Now, everybody applauds that, but I want you to remember that this president was in the United States Congress for almost 50 years. And he helped write every one of those tax codes. Every single tax code change that's happened that's turned our tax code into the convoluted mess that it is, this president was a part of. The, the idea that people are just going to blindly applaud, this is where all Americans, my, my friends that are Democrats, the ones that are Republicans, we all should be asking this question. You look at all of these people that want to talk about the Trump tax cuts and blaming the former president. You look at some of the people and the decades that they've been a part of the United States Senate, just the Senate, and then they want to blame it on a president that had the office for four years. And this is not about defending Donald Trump. I promise you, this is not defending Donald Trump. This is questioning the current people in charge and what they've done to cause the problem they now say is the biggest problem we face. We can talk about the class warfare part of this, but just on its face, let's say everything he is saying is 100 percent true, that billionaires have an effective tax rate that is much lower than what the average person pays. Whose fault is that? He was a part of writing the tax code, wasn't he? For decades in the United States Senate. He was a vice president for eight years under Barack Obama. Presiding really over the Senate. And look at what we have. Now this all of a sudden is the problem. So um, he wants to talk about the debt ceiling. Listen to this. Mega Republican Congress are threatening to default on the national debt, the debt that took 230 years to accumulate overall, overall, unless we do what they say. They say they're going to default unless I agree to all these wacko notions they have. Default. It would be worse than totally irresponsible. So what are those wacko no- notions, these MAGA Republicans? Again, this is all Donald Trump's fault and the MAGA Republicans. What, what are some of these things they want? Massive cuts in programs you count on. Massive benefit protected for those at the top. A lot of, you know, all the tax cuts go to the top, none to the bottom. The threat of defaulting on America's debt for the first time in 230 years. Here we go with the 230 years. How much of that debt has been escalated? Let's say in the last, let's go back 10 years. Let's include the, the uh, Trump administration in the accumulation of that debt. How much of our nation's debt has been accelerated over the past 10 to 15 years? Let's start there. So what he's talking about, these wacko ideas are, are cutting the spending in Washington, D.C. So let me go back and quote Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan said that we are not in a recession right now because the people are living too well. We're in a recession right now because – The government is living too well. And uh, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but that's what he said. He talked about the government having too much. We need to downsize the government. In this current crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. This president is proposing immense tax increases. He says only on wealthy people. He's going after to try to take more discretionary income out of the economy. That's not going to help anyone in my opinion. The city of Phoenix had a change of heart. They uh, repealed the um, prevailing wage rule, which would have cost the city of Phoenix taxpayers – they say City of Phoenix, but if you don't say taxpayers, it sounds like the city's paying it. You're paying it, about $93 million. Now, they may come up with another bill that's similar to before the end of the year. But as of right now, because of the changeover on the council, they have now repealed this with a 6-3 to three vote. But they voted 7-2 to two to research an issue and return with a new ordinance for consideration by the end of the year. But the prevailing wage ordinance would have mandated, this would have been a self-imposed increase in what you pay with your tax dollars for city projects. It's an, This is the kind of thing I'm talking about. You're hurting the private sector by doing it. You're taking employees, good employees from private sector jobs into the public sector jobs. Um, you are doing immense damage by spending money you don't need to spend. You're getting the same product from the same workforce using basically the same materials, although sometimes on the prevailing wage jobs, there is an increase on the quality of the materials used. And I'm not talking about the things you see or the important things I'm talking about behind the scenes. The infrastructure things that are used have to be of higher quality for anybody out there. That is, uh, um, you have to use steel, um, in my industry, you would have to use steel compression fittings as opposed to the the, uh, the die-cast, you know, the uh, alloy set screw connectors and couplings, much more expensive and do absolutely nothing for the quality of the building itself. But what you have to pay employees. The city was going to spend an extra $93 million of your dollars to build the exact same buildings they would have otherwise. Why? All in the idea of raising. Raising wages for workers. This is all about shifting the burden. But you know, the other thing is, the rich business owners—they also make out like bandits because you base much of what you make on a job based on the cost of the job. Cost plus ten percent. Well, if your costs go up, your profit goes up. So these these bad ideas, you know, leading to this recession. And so we have. And I don't want to. I hate getting into. The um, personality conflict in R versus D in this, it's just about ideology. This president talks about the wacko MAGA Republicans and the things they want to do with these wacko ideas. And he says they want to make cuts. They want to make cuts to programs. I don't think a lot of Americans think that that considering the spending problem the United States Treasury has, the United States Congress has, the president of the United States has, that spending cuts are not a good idea. Of course they're a good idea. You're supposed to rein in your spending. You are facing a recession, rising gas prices, food prices through the roof. You have had to rein in your budget. But the president of the United States says it's a wacko idea for them to have to do it. I think he's on the wrong side of history here. Uh, We're going to talk about the election audit in a moment. Arizona settles a lawsuit over the audit. Is it a big deal? And is this finally over? We'll talk about it coming up in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I appreciate the time as always. The Arizona Senate settles a lawsuit over election audit for $150,000, a left leaning watchdog group. Uh, This, by the way, is at KTAR.com if you want to check out the story. They announced a settlement of over $150,000 in public records lawsuits against the Arizona Senate that fought to withhold emails, texts, and other records. Um, the, the, the American Oversight is the organization that wanted the documents, um, They're going to receive $153,000 from the state Senate, according to the argument that both parties initially signed in March. Um, It extended to the Cyber Ninjas, and part of the actions were that they didn't believe they were getting all the documents that were required by a judge in in a transparency and, you know, Freedom of Information Act requests. Now, the Supreme Court ultimately sided with the Senate saying that some of the items that they were asking for is privileged, but the majority of the documents over uh, $20,000 – Thousand records were released the reason why i bring this up is I, I have an honest question i think it's a good question and the question is is this going to be the end of the 2020 election Um, And I'll be honest, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, I've had these conversations over and over again with people in my party, and it gets to be angry, and I I don't understand the anger and the vitriol. Moving forward, you have to win elections. And here's my big fear, and one of my large fears with this, um, and I mean this respectfully to the people in my party. When you continue to tell voters that may not be as – well-versed as you are. They haven't been around the process as long as you have. They're not as invested in the process as you are. Uh, I'm not calling anybody dumb. I'm saying these are people that don't have the investment you have. It's like talking to someone that plays fantasy football all the time. They know players and stats, and and I don't. I'm a fan of the game. I don't play fantasy football. I don't understand. I mean, I know. I understand them. I don't know individual stats of players. I don't know why it's better to pick this wide receiver against the defense he's playing against this Sunday because of how he's performed in the past. And there are other people. That doesn't mean I'm not a football fan. That doesn't mean that I don't love the game. It means I do not get into the weeds like you do. You have to understand that when you say to people, the 2020 election was stolen, they stole 2022, and they're going to steal 2024, why would anybody vote? You're not going to get somebody. You're not even allowed to gamble on the wwe because it's a predetermined outcome and if you are telling voters or potential voters that all of our elections are predetermined outcomes that people are picking winners that they are cheating to the level of causing major races to go in another direction and it's continuing and your goal is to get it to stop why would people vote Now, there are some that will always vote. I'm one of them. I always want I shouldn't say no, one there's never been an always I've missed an election or something here or there. But I vote. I am someone who thinks it is not just a right, but a responsibility. I vote. Many of you make sure you vote, whether it's early ballots or Election Day or whatever it is. But there are people out there that are entering the workforce for the first time. They are seeing that they're beginning to pay taxes. They want a voice in where their taxes are going. And if they believe the rhetoric that the elections have been stolen and are being stolen, why would they waste their time? That is a great question. I mean, I'm not the one who just came up with it. I've sure thought about it. I've had the discussion with people. What are you telling people? You have to elect me so that we can stop stolen elections. Well, if elections are being stolen, how are you possibly going to get elected? Well, we just have to do a much better job. We have to outperform their cheating. That makes no sense. And that is a message that I think drives people away from the process, not to the process. And having a conversation about an election from 2020... In 2023 doesn't make any sense to me either. And I'll tell you that I am also someone that looks at the Arizona election systems and believes there are things that can be done that the vast majority of people would agree would make them safer elections. So you don't have to live on one side of the street or the other. It's not that if you're an election denier, all of these election integrity bills need to be passed. Or if you don't believe that 2020 or 2022 wasn't stolen, then you think that nothing needs to be done. Everything's just fine. So when someone – when you say to someone, you know, we could make this easier. We could make it better with the voter rolls and making sure ballots are only being sent to people. Um, And they say, well, no one's – you give me evidence of widespread cheating. And I would say to you, hang on a minute. I remember when a credit card was swiped with that little machine and then a paper copy and a carbon copy went to you and a paper copy was mailed into the credit card people. And then those credit card people paid the businesses. And if your card was stolen, you didn't find out for a couple of weeks until they ran your credit card over its limit. Then I remember credit cards and debit cards having a PIN number. Then I remember you could scan them. Then I remember there's a little chip where you put the chip in. Now there's a chip where you just tap the screen. They have all of these different things to make sure that your identity doesn't get stolen. And if you say, I want to make sure I'm as protected, I have any one of these services out there that I have credit monitoring, I do have credit monitoring. Um, You say, we've never had your credit stolen. What are you worried about? Everything's just fine nobody thinks that way you have to outsmart the possibility of bad things happening when it comes to important things like your money our election system is one of those things You can't get a subpoena in the mail. You cannot be served with legal documents legally by mail. It has to be handed to you by someone that says, yes, I handed that person that piece of paper. That doesn't mean you don't completely trust the mail system. It means when there is an important document, it has to be served by hand. We can do better things with early voting without getting rid of it. And instead of us having those reasonable conversations, it's all about the stolen election and the cyber ninjas and – you know, the 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 2000 mules and why can't we have a reasonable conversation with about what's best for our election system in a moment? Um, self-defense laws in Arizona. Big conversation now about stand your ground around the country. What does Arizona allow for in law? Where are you inside your ability to protect yourself? And when are you in trouble with the law when protecting yourself? We'll talk about what the experts say next. Hey, we still have the hottest tickets in town. Of course, that's Suns Playoff Tickets. If you'd like to win tickets, possibly to Game 5, what you do is you text the word TICKET to 411923. You get registered. We will call a name out in the 7 a.m. hour, the 11 a.m. hour, and the 4 p.m. hour, Monday and Tuesday, and qualify someone each time that happens. Give yourself an opportunity to do that. Text TICKET to 411923. Um... The questions about your stand, the, the stand your ground laws, uh, has come into question again with shootings that have happened across the country, accidental or otherwise. People standing their ground. Kansas City: A 16 year old was killed by an 84 year old homeowner. Police say that he was uh, picking up his younger sibling, the kid that was shot, when he was mistaken when he mistakenly went to the wrong house and rang the doorbell. So there are questions about what can you do, how is it you are able to, when are you allowed to defend yourself, and here are the answers to that question from some of the experts. So. Let's um, I want you to hear this is um, Kirk Evans, who is the president of U.S. Law Shield. When you can claim and use self-defense nationally in this country, protecting yourself against being murdered, uh, serious bodily injury, rape, uh, some other serious crime. Now, Mark Victor is a valley attorney, said this, though, that just because somebody breaks into your home, you automatically get to shoot them. The answer to that is almost always No. Here's the difference, and and this is the way I was told that this law works. I'll let you hear one more. Chase Golightly from Channel 12 talks about when you can use a weapon in self-defense. Evans says Arizona law does allow it if you are in immediate danger. The suspect is committing arson or stealing valuables. But again, it has to be happening right then and there. You are no longer in fear of your life when you shoot someone running away with your TV. So when you look at what's happened... with with these questions that are being asked. First of all, there's some assumptions being made on both sides of this issue. One of the assumptions that I can't stand is that you own a gun, you're looking for trouble. You're sitting in bed at night with a gun under your pillow hoping someone breaks into your house you can shoot them. That's a false narrative. I've used this analogy a hundred times and I know others have as well. I have fire extinguishers. Does that mean I'm hoping my kitchen catches on fire? The answer is no. And they say, well, just call 9-1-1. I'm absolutely going to call 911. If somebody's trying to break into my home, I am going to call 911. But just like if my kitchen caught on fire, I'm going to call 911. But I promise you I'm going to do my best to put that fire out until the professionals get there. Just like I will defend myself until the professionals get there. That's a reasonable response from anyone. I don't see how there's anything unreasonable in what I just said. I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want to shoot anyone. But if I feel like you threaten my life, I'm going to defend myself. And if you come into my home and it's dark and you're walking toward me, I am in fear for my life. I guess the laws years ago, a couple of decades ago in Arizona, the laws were, and this is how it was explained to me was the burden of proof was in, uh, in your court. You had to prove, so when law enforcement, someone, God forbid, someone breaks into your house and um, you shoot them, you had to convince law enforcement and prosecutors and maybe a jury that you shot them believing you were in grave danger, in immediate grave danger. The way that law has been rewritten, I believe, and what I've been told is, the burden is on the state to prove that you were not. Here's what where the gray area is, and I'm going to give you an opinion. That's not a legal opinion. It's just one that I, I think is a gray area. If I we we've had people, we know about people having catalytic converters stolen and all what the damage it does to people's vehicles and what a what a nuisance it is as much as it is a large expense. If you look out your window late at night, get up. To, you know, I'm up sometimes middle of the night. I get up and let my dog out or whatever. If I hear something outside and I look out and I see somebody under my vehicle stealing something, I can call 911 and it's going to take at best three to four minutes if there's a cop in the area to inter- intervene. By that time, they are probably going to finish what they were trying to steal, probably my catalytic converter, or they are going to do so much damage by the time the police get there, they may as well have stolen it because it's all going to have to be replaced. Or I can walk out my front door and I can scream at that person and I could try to hold them at gunpoint and say, you're going to stay right here till the cops get here. If that person decides to come after me and I use that gun in self-defense, am I in trouble because I initiated that interaction? And I don't know the legality of that, but I can tell you as a homeowner, as a person that doesn't want to be stolen from me, that's as frustrating as it gets. And I'll tell you why, because any police officer that walked up on a scene like that by himself or herself would have their firearm drawn and tell the person very legal verbal commands, stay where you are, stay on the ground, stop doing what you're doing, lay on your stomach, whatever it is, and wait for the police officers to affect an arrest. If that person gets up off the ground with a wrench in their hand or a saw in their hand and they advance toward the officer, that officer has a rightful thought process of thinking their life is in danger. And if they take that person's life, I think they're well within their rights to defend themselves. What is the difference between a police officer with a badge that shows up six minutes later or me walking out of my house doing exactly the same thing a law enforcement officer would do? I'm giving you a motion right now. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm asking a legal question because there are those in our society that believe it's only property. It's not worth a human life. So stay in your house, call the police, suck it up, watch them damage your property or steal from you and let the police handle it. And I don't I'm not cut from that cloth. I don't want to hurt anyone. I don't want to kill anyone. But if I see you in my backyard, I'm not going to wait till you get into my house to confront you. If I walk outside and you're stealing my motorcycle or trying to, I'm going to try to stop you. If you advance in my direction and make me feel as if you're going to hurt me or kill me to get away, I'm going to reciprocate. That's what my mind says to me. I don't know what that – that's the legal gray area. I don't think there's any gray area when someone's in your home. Middle of the night, you hear a noise. I've got a very large dog, so somebody coming in my house is a dumb idea. You know, I've got a 110-pound Rottweiler. Good luck. Come on in. If you can get to me getting past him, good for you. But I don't think that's going to happen. But somebody comes into my house. My dog starts to bark or I hear a crash. I hear something. I grab my gun, and I see somebody coming at me. I'm in fear for my life, and I don't think there's anybody out there that's going to convict me otherwise. But the other thing is a reality for people. Your car is getting broken into in the middle of the night. People are stealing your catalytic converter. We know these porch pirates are stealing things off the front of your home. And you're supposed to what? Watch the ring doorbell camera, watch them steal property from you and just take it? Or do you intervene and say, get, you know, get off my property. Get the hell out of here. And then it turns into a fight where someone loses their life. Are you at fault for walking outside and confronting that person, person? And there's people that are listening to me right now that say, yes, you are. You shouldn't do that. And I say to you respectfully, you're out of your mind. That if somebody is confronting me that way, if somebody is stealing from me, I'm going to confront them and stop them. And if they turn this up a, a, a notch and they make it violent – That's them, not me. I'm stopping a crime. So anyway, it's a great legal conversation. I like the conversation. Coming up in a moment, uh, the Supreme Court takes up the free speech debate, this time on the Internet. It's very interesting. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. A Grammy Award-winning artist seal is headed to the Arizona Financial Theater. It happens on April 25th. Limited tickets are still available. But if you'd like a shot at winning a pair, go to the contest page at KTAR.com. Alright, the Supreme Court debates free speech in defense of cyber stalking. This is an interesting case because I've, for a long time, we know that whether it's AI, which is now, you know, it is at the, it is advancing at the speed of light. And of course, the criminals are taking something that could be an amazing asset to America or to the world, to society, and turning it into a disaster. Using this voice and, and stuff to, um, you know, fake kidnappings and scaring people and trying to, um, Extort money from people. But this has always been a thing with technology, that technology seems to advance faster than legislation can keep up. Whether it's uh, Napster and people pirating music years ago or whatever it is, um, it seems as if technology is always outpacing legislation by a, by a while or by a mile. Um Supreme Court justices on Wednesday questioned whether a Colorado stalking law violates the First Amendment because defendants can be convicted even if they didn't intend to threaten victims with physical violence. Because there is a line that's crossed with a threat of physical, physical violence. Um, recently, I've talked about this happening here. There was a guy – I can't remember where he's from. It doesn't matter where he's from, but out of state that called and threatened the life of Clint Hickman, who is the uh, County Board of Supervisors chairman – and of also of uh, Mark Burnovich, the, the former attorney general, and he has pleaded guilty to those charges and he's going to be sentenced for those charges because he made threats of hanging and murdering people. And that's obviously not a first protected by the First Amendment. That's a threat and that's illegal. But what happened here is there is a, um, a songwriter. And a singer named Coles Whalen, and she was getting messages through Facebook Messenger from someone, hundreds and hundreds of messages, even after um, she blocked this guy. He found new ways to contact her. Uh, One of the messages said, staying in a cyber life. Is going to kill you. Come out for coffee. You have my number. Chief Justice Roberts said, In what way is that threatening? And one of the attorneys rebutted by saying, Well, it looks as if, if you interpret it this way, if you don't come out for coffee with me, bad things will happen to you. So just because someone's afraid doesn't mean they should be afraid that's where this free speech is. But at the same time, being inundated with messages from someone, unwanted messages, making you feel uneasy, someone that won't leave you alone. I was, this is going to sound so silly coming from a guy, I got stalked. I had this happen to me before I moved to Arizona. And it was crazy. I had gone through a divorce and... um, Um, I shouldn't say I've gone through a really bad breakup and uh, it was right in the midst of that breakup where I was still on very good terms with my ex. We still kept in touch as much as you can going through a horrible breakup after a long relationship. And there was this girl that wanted to go out with me and I wasn't interested and she began to stalk and it got weird. She, uh, my ex cut hair and is a hairstyle, one of the best hairstylists in Southwest Florida um, and was doing hair in a very upscale salon. This girl made an appointment with her and had her do her hair and then sat in the chair and began telling her stories about me, talking to my ex about me. And it was very weird. They ended up getting her trespassed from that place. So I know what it's like to feel vulnerable in the sense, you know, I went out to, for work one morning and all the windows in my truck were covered in Vaseline. Uh, my truck got keyed on the passenger side, from the tail light all the way to the front turn signal. I knew who it was. I couldn't prove it, but I knew who it was. Called the police every time, and they said there's really nothing we can do. But. You know, In that situation, I don't know that I was necessarily afraid for my life, but I know what it's like to feel like what's going to happen when I turn the corner. Who's going to be the next person that they go to to just make my life uncomfortable? Are they just doing this because they can or is there something really mentally wrong with this person and are they going to do something to me or somebody I care about? That's a scary feeling. So now when you talk about it being done online, I'm someone pretty thick-skinned. You know, what you say about me on Twitter, I don't normally care because, you know, I don't care what slappy682 on Twitter says about me. But when someone makes a threat and a death threat or whatever else, it does this cross that line? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unwelcomed messages from people saying – Or from someone saying, come meet me, let's go out, believing in their mind to some level that there's a romantic relationship that does not exist. It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Coming up after 10 o'clock, the governor has vetoed at least one piece of legislation, I'm going to tell you about even more than one, that has upset both parties. I'm going to tell you why these pieces of legislation are important. We'll do it next.